and we want to just fully trust God that you, that we acknowledge, Lord, that you are our way maker, Lord. God, we know, Lord, that there are times in our lives that we need that miracle work. God, there's times in our lives, Lord, where we need to be shown the way because it is difficult to know the way. And God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is true. We thank you that your word goes beyond just words, but actions with truth and with love and with grace and with mercy, Lord. And so God, we pray that this morning we hear that. We pray that as we read your word today, that it would hit us exactly where we need to be, Lord. God, meet us here today. God, provide that way. And God, I pray that when we leave here this morning, we would leave here acknowledging, God, that no matter what problem we face, no matter what global problem we face, no matter what virus we face, God, that God, you are in control. God, we give you that. Lord, we give up our control and trust, Lord, in you this morning. And so, God, we pray that your words would be read and heard and received, Lord. God, be our way maker here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, because we know, Lord, that we are going to meet you now. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Oh, you may be seated. Man, God is good. Amen. That is such a good song. And man, um, uh, you, you didn't get the weeping, weeping, Pastor, that you got first service because man, there's just those moments where it's just like God just meets you where you're at. And I believe that, that there's times in our lives that we need to be remembered that there is a God that wants to meet us where we're at and help us understand that whenever is happening around the globe, whatever headlines that are going around there, that he wants to remind us that he is in control. And so what we're gonna be talking a little bit about today is we're gonna be talking not about the global headlines, but we're gonna be talking about what are those headlines that we need to be talking about. You see, there are things, and I didn't wanna put them up on the screen, and I'm just gonna kinda quickly go through them, but what's happening currently in the world, but also in our local headlines, you're hearing things like, and again, I don't want you to grunt after this, COVID-19. You're hearing things of what's going on in Afghanistan. You're hearing of things of what's happening to our active military, to our veterans, to what's happening at the border and to homeless. And I know you're going, I didn't come to church for this. Maybe it's even talking about housing affordability. Or maybe right now, if you have kids like in school and you're getting emails left and right and you're going, oh my gosh, another COVID exposure, another COVID exposure, what am I supposed to do, Lord? Or maybe even just maybe even closer to home where, where you have a work condition that's just difficult or maybe in your home where maybe just housed in your, your home life is just so difficult. And what can happen is, is that all of those world and personal headlines can really kind of distort us to where God wants us to be focused on. And that is what we're gonna be talking about this morning. You see, there's this term that people talk about as pilots, and there's a, this word called spatial disori disorientation, and it's defined this way. It says, spatial disorientation is the inability of a person to determine his true body position, motion, and altitude relative to the earth. And so basically what that means is this, is that if you have a pilot and he's taking off in the air and he's flying through the clouds and maybe he feels like he is turning left or right or maybe he feels like he's going up and yet the plane is going down, what happens is that they're taught to go and help them realize that they need to maybe understand that they can't 
get that, that, that orientation back until they start focusing back onto their instruments. And when they refocus back onto their instruments, they recognize where they're at in their life. And what I also believe is that sometimes as Christ followers or Christians, is that sometimes when we start focusing so much on the world headlines, we start losing focus of where God wants us to be. And so when we go to his word, his instrument, is that he settles us back into where he wants us to be, amen? So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go to this instrument. And what I wanna do is I wanna read you some, an article that I read that was posted just a couple of weeks ago. Because there's times in our lives that I ha think we have to realize that sometimes in light of our current situations that what we face here in the, in the city of Tracy, in California, that God is using people who fully have to trust in him that say, God, you have to be the way maker. And this article comes from this magazine called World News Group and it's titled, The Taliban Seizes Power While Taking Names. And in this article, it begins to start talking about this church leader in Afghanistan right now, who is a, has 500 members in all house churches that are going around all of Afghanistan. And on August 12th, he received a letter from the Taliban with this message. It said, we know where you are and we know what you're doing. And what that pastor had to begin to do was begin to pray and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And as he knew that the Taliban was begin to search it for him, that his family began to start working out and heading out and fleeing. And when they couldn't find him, they found another one of his church members and they went into his home and they took his 14-year-old daughter, their 14-year-old daughter. And he still doesn't know where they're at. And these families that are in Afghanistan don't wanna leave, they wanna continue, and they're continuing to go ahead and meet online, but they cannot meet together in this season. But what they are doing that saying, no matter what is happening, that they need to simply be able to say, God, we know we need to meet. And this local, and it says in this article, it says the lo local Afghan community has been faced with threats composed entirely of Muslim converts. It says that this church, as they're gathering in homes and as they're praising God, some of their church leaders began to decide, saying, hey, you know what I, we need to do is we need to go ahead and change our ID card. You see, every Afghani has to carry an ID card with them, and on those cards, it states what their religion is. And 50 of these Afghani leaders, these people who love Jesus, who love the Lord, basically said that they went prior to when the government collapsed, that they went and said, I want to change my religion to Christianity, to be a Christian. And I sit here in Tracy, California, in the comfort of my home, and as I'm reading this article, and I started realizing, going, God, would people know that I am a Christian? Would people know that I am a Christ follower if I simply just had to carry it on my ID, knowing that if anyone asked for that ID, that I might be killed? 30 of those 50 leaders finally got those, those cards changed and are currently still in Afghanistan. And I still think about it and going, God, 
What are we challenged with right here on our own soil? And saying, God, what is it that we must do to help people understand who you are? To help people understand that you are the way maker, that miracle worker, that promise keeper. And in the works of Acts, chapter one, verse eight, and Jesus is getting ready to leave and ascend back into heaven. And he goes and he appears to those of who are following him. And he reminds them of this. And again, maybe you've heard it from Acts 1.8, but I wanted to kind of sink in this morning really what it's going to take in order for his church to truly be impactful in our country. And it says this, but you, referring to those Christians, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then as he begins to ascend, they begin to go, God, what are you gonna begin to do in our lives? And I think the challenge that we need to hear in God's word this morning is this, is that there's this really cool phrase that I heard in, a, in an article this week as well, and it said this, that Christianity, Christianity is created by and sustained by the good news. So what does that mean? It means that 2,000 years ago, when Jesus challenged his followers to say, this is going to spread by you simply sharing the good news. And that people who are going to attend service on a Labor Day in 2021 in a church called Southwinds, they are going to hear your testimony. And then one day, maybe 2,000 years later, people are going to hear the testimony of the people that are sitting in this room this morning. You see, it's interesting how God continues to grow the church, but the church continually only grow should we choose to share his story. Now, I know most of you might be thinking and going, uh-oh, what's Pastor Chris gonna get us into this morning? But what I do feel like is God really is challenging the church, not just this church, but the church, to saying, hey, the headlines are covering people's minds and they're forgetting about what we have to focus on today. So how do we change those news headlines? How do we begin to change what is happening in our own lives so that we know that no matter what is out there, that we have to trust that God is in control? And so the very first thing, and if you guys have your notes, if you guys have your apps, I want you to go ahead and just write this down because God has been singing this in my life for like the last few weeks, and I've been just kind of chomping at the bit to be able to tell you this, because anyone who's been in my office for the last few weeks, and I've been telling them, saying, you need to know this. So I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm hopefully you're gonna walk away going, I needed to know that, all right? So you guys ready for this point? The first point is this. We must make our mission louder than the world's headlines. We must make our mission louder than the world's headlines. And here's one of those messages that I have to kind of take go here. It's not one of those, you should. It's one of those messages where it's like, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. Because I've also had to sit in this and saying, God, what is it that you need me to say today? 
And as I'm sitting here and I'm going to God and saying, God, do I really need to say some of these things? And he is saying, yes. I've been kind of having this Jonah moment where God wanted him to go to Nineveh and I wanted to go to Tarshish because I didn't want to say some of these things. But I do feel that God is telling us and reminding us that we have to, in the mission that he has given us, to go and be witnesses in the areas of Tracy, Mountain House, Lathrop, and beyond, in San Joaquin, in San Francisco. If you work in the Bay Area, he's saying your influences matters. And that the only way that this church, that his church is going to be growing and taking off and helping people bring peace is if his followers, his Christians, really step up and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. So we're gonna go to a passage that has been, I've been sitting on this and just, it's been, it's been amazing when you just kind of just stew in a scripture for a while. And so we're gonna go to 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians. We're gonna start in chapter three, verse 17 and 18. And I kinda wanna give you some context before we go there. Prior to this passage, it begins to talk, because it's gonna be referencing Moses. And if you guys remember who Moses was, if you remember the cartoon, you know, I just kinda remember this idea when Moses was called by God and he was called to take his Israelites and lead them out of Egypt and go into the desert not knowing that they were gonna be there for 40 years. And what happens is, is as they're out in the desert and they're getting angry at God and so Moses kind of escapes to the hills and he's out on this mountain, Mount Sinai, and God meets him exactly where he's at. And in that process, as he's meeting with him for 40 days, as he's just, just talking with Moses and Moses is taking this in, he is writing the 10 Commandments. And I don't know how heavy these tablets were, but God is inscripting in them those 10 commandments, those 10 things that he says, listen, this is what I want my followers to do. And then he goes back down and the first round doesn't work. He goes back to the Israelites and they're just messing up left and right. And he goes and he slams the tablets and he breaks them. I don't know if I'd be that brave and say, God, they're I don't know what happened, they failed God. But what he does is he goes back and God gives it to him. And it says that when he came back down the mountain, that they said Moses' face, his entire body was just shining bright because he had been with the Lord. And they were afraid of it because they were so, like they, didn't, they weren't used to like going, uh, Moses, why are you glowing? I don't know if you've ever gone camping and just put one of those bright flashlights to it and you kind of do the scary stories. I imagine that he didn't have the flashlight. I, I, actually, I can guarantee he didn't have the flashlight. But God was just showing through him and they were afraid. And so what would happen is after he would share it, he would put this veil back over himself. And eventually, it didn't say when it went away, but eventually it went away because they don't reference Moses having the shine over and over again. And what Paul is talking about as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's referencing that moment with Moses but now he's talking to the church at Corinth who has seen what has happened to Jesus and seen how the church can truly, what the church can truly represent to people who do not know him, including themselves because there was some inner talking and inner battling about what they should do. And this is where we pick up in chapter three in verses 17 and 18, and it says this, and this is one of the coolest parts that if you're a Christ follower, I wanna make sure you get this because you're gonna recognize what your faces should look like 
as you leave here and go back home. It says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. We're gonna talk a little bit about that this morning of what really freedom looks like. And then he goes on and he says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into the likeness with ever increasing joy which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So I wanna stop there for a second and I just kinda wanna talk a little bit about this because what's happening there is he's saying we, he goes where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we with what? unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. You see, Moses had the privilege and the honor to be able to reflect God's glory when they came back down the mountain. But what Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he's telling them this. He's saying, you guys, you contain the glory. And not only that, that the fail is not there and it is not needed anymore, and that now you reflect God's glory. Let that sit in there for a moment. You reflect God's glory. What does that mean to somebody who is hurting? What does that mean to someone who is broken? What does that mean to a headline when we get distracted and that sometimes what happens is, is that in the midst of headlines, we are putting our veil back on when God is saying, you should be living free because the freedom comes from God, not from ourselves. The freedom comes knowing that he is in control and we are not. We must make our mission louder than anything else that is happening in this world. And it goes on and he continues, and we're gonna go ahead and read now chapter four, and this even gets even better because now after we leave here, guess what, I can just say, I, no, I'm not gonna quit, I just wanna make sure we understand it, but I can quit as a pastor because guess what, you're going to recognize that you guys have a ministry, all right? So here we go, now in chapter four, verse one, and we're gonna read verses one through six, and it says this, therefore, so we understand that there's freedom, we're shining, there's no more veil that's necessary as all Christ followers have it, and then he says in verse four, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have this ministry, which means that when you are a Christ follower, your ministry now follows you. Your ministry, when you go to work, it follows you. Your ministry, when you're out shopping, it follows you. Your ministry in the midst, and I'm gonna say this with confidence because man, God has put me through pain in my life. Your ministry in pain speaks volumes when you allow God to speak through you. I wanna give you an example of not a painful moment, but how, how God can use you and teach you what you do in the moment when God challenges you. Because remember, as you are a Christ follower, his Holy Spirit dwells inside you. This last Thursday, I was challenged, not challenged, this is not a challenge, I was going to get my hair cut. <laughs> I was challenged to get a haircut. No, I was gonna go get a haircut. 
And when I pulled up to the haircut place and I looked to the left and I look inside this car and I see this car and it, on the door, inside part of the door frame, there's like three or four Kaiser Permanente stickers on the side of the door panel. And I was looking at the door panels and I'm going, this person has been to the hospital multiple times visiting somebody. And I basically said, okay, God, and I'm doing the Christian pastor thing. If that person is there, I would have totally prayed for them. So I get out of my car and I start walking to go get my haircut. And as I'm walking towards my haircut place, this person passes me. And as he was passing me, I see him go to that car. Man, I wanted to get my haircut. And so as I start walking, and then all of a sudden, God's like, are you kidding me right now, Chris? You need to get back over there. You told me if that person was there, and guess what he provided? He provided that person. And so I do the Christian walk of fame, or of more like, like Christian walk of like sadness and go. And I'll be honest with you, this is awkward. I don't know this person. I've just been looking inside their car. It is awkward, guys. I'm telling you, I, I do these things and I have to tell you so that you know that sometimes it doesn't always go like there was like this amazing God moment. But I look at him and I say, excuse me, he's in the back part of his car and he's got his trunk open and he's putting his groceries in. And I say, excuse me, I know this is gonna sound really weird, but I was looking at the inside of your car. <laughs> you laugh, try it. I was looking at the inside of your car and I noticed that you had these Kaiser stickers and I was wondering if there's anything I could be praying for. Can you feel that tension there? What did he say? And this is what he said. He goes, my dad is a praying man. And my spirit began to go, thank you, Lord. Because now all of a sudden the conversation became more about how God is already praying and needed people praying for him. And I said, thank you so much. Hey, I'm gonna be praying for you and just prayed. And then all of a sudden I went and guess what? I got my hair cut. But here's what God taught me. You see, as a pastor, they're talking about that there's different types of pastors. There's great teaching pastors, there's pastor shepherds, there's apostles, there's evangelists, there's all different types of pastors. And I consider myself in the realm of like that pastor shepherd. I enjoy coming alongside people. I enjoy hearing their pains. And what happens is, is that sometimes the pastor shepherd gets painful because I start hearing so many stories. And my heart just gets heavy because I'm going, man, God, there's so much pain. And then what happened is this. He reminded me that I wasn't the only person praying. And he reminded me that even the person in the hospital was a praying person and he was a Christ follower. And next thing you know, I look at his t-shirt and I'm going, man, God, thank you for this moment to recognize that I'm not the only person who cares. And I know maybe some of you are going, I do this all the time, Chris, thanks for catching up. But the reality is, is that we all our live unveiled lives as we have Christ in our lives. We show his glory. We have the freedom to be able to do that because even in the midst of our pain, God uses it and so he is using it. And so I just wanna remind you that you have a ministry. 
We do not lose heart. In verse two, he goes, rather, we have renounced. And so what was happening too within the church of Corinth is that they felt like people started needing to say things to convince people to come to church. You ever heard that before? And what happens is, and it says, rather we have, been, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do, not use de- we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And here's something powerful here. So one, they're just confessing, saying, hey, we've tried different things to try to get people to come to the church of Corinth, and we have to go, God, we give that back to you, because we're gonna stop, because this is what we need to do. Because the reality, he goes, he goes, in verse three, he goes, and even if our gospel is veiled, meaning the good news that we read here right now, that if the gospel is veiled, meaning that it was blocked, he goes, it is veiled to those who are perishing, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And I'm gonna pause right there again because I need us to know this, is that there is what it's saying right here is that it says that the God of this world, meaning that it's not God, it's actually little g, And what's happening is that when the Bible talks about there are things happening spiritually that we do not see, that we do not know. And if you do not have a relationship with Christ, and maybe you are in here and you're going, I'm trying to figure this out because I am hurting out there. But that there is this spiritual side that is putting a veil in trying to prevent you from hearing God's word, the good news. And so what happens is, is he's saying that we are going to plainly lift it as we continue on, it says, for we do not preach ourselves, here's a key part in verse five, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, may his light shine into the hearts and give us the light of knowledge and of the glory of God. And I want to remind you this though, In verse five, as it says, we do not preach ourselves. What does that mean? And I'm gonna ask a really difficult question right now. How many of you guys said, if I said this, or asked you personally, and I said, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to come on the stage and I want you to share something about God. Maybe a testimony. Now, some of you are going, I could totally do better than you, so yes, I'm in. But maybe for the rest of us, you would say, I don't know enough about God's word. I have questions myself. I don't even know if I'm good enough to be calling myself a Christian. I have my own doubts. I have my own fears. I am angry most of the time. But what God is saying in verse five, he says, we do not preach what? ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, that's very important, church, because what happens is this. God is giving us the freedom to share who he is. The glory is not from what we do. We could live a perfect life, but I will be honest with you, we can't. It's because we've hidden it. We can appear to have a perfect life, but our life is not perfect. Why? Because the Bible already tells us we are not perfect. 
But what he's saying is, is that, and Paul is reminding the church is that we do not preach ourselves, but we preach who Jesus is, who he is. And now he starts using us in incredible ways. Now when we leave here, God can begin to do that. Now I'm gonna kind of just read some stats because I was reading in this book uh, Until Unity, and I don't know if, if any of you guys read Francis Chan, but one of the things that I realized when I was reading this book, it took me, gosh, I think I finished in like three or four days. But what he does is he gives this interesting, uh, like kind of like some stats of what is the church, not this church, but the church facing, and, you're, and this is just a minuscule, a minuscule view of what people are facing, maybe currently people that you know, but what's happening outside in the entire world. And he gives these stats. He says, according to slavery and human trafficking, that there are five million children in slavery right now. Five million children. He also goes on and says that there's approximately 40 million slaves in the world today. 40 million. In regards to hunger and lacking water, he says that there are 850 million on this earth go hungry each day. 850 million go hungry each day. Nine million people die every year of hunger-related issues. Nine million die every day. When I looked at the current stat of COVID, of how many people are dying, this is not to minuscule this. I wanna make sure you know that. That when I looked it up as of Friday, there was 4.55 million people died of COVID worldwide. Nine million people die every day of hunger. I sit there and I go, God, there's so many things that we have to figure out what we do in order to love people and help them understand that your love needs to reach out to them. In regards to the rights of the unborn, that there's 3,000 unborn babies that will be aborted in the US today. Tomorrow, another 3,000. There's also though 3,000 pregnant mothers that need to hear God's love every day. And as the church, what do we need to do to begin to love and encourage them to help them figure out why are they, what are they facing and how we can come alongside them? In regards to the widows and the orphans, that there is 150 million orphans in the world today. 400,000 unwanted children in the US foster care system. And I reached out to my, to my social worker because we've had about five uh, kids in, from foster in our, in our house in the, over the last few years. And I asked her, How, how's it going in the foster care? And she's going, Chris, nobody wants to open their homes. And I'm sitting there and I've got a couple of empty rooms. And I'm thinking, man, God, I got a room that has a college student that's out. And I'm like, she's gone most of the time. And when she's here, she doesn't wanna be here. Maybe I should put her up in that room. And I'm just thinking that God, what can you do with his people? And again, I'm not trying to put 400 million people into your house. 
But there is a challenge that God is challenging his Christians with. In India alone, that there are 40 million widows. And then when I reached out to a friend in regards to the Afghan refugees, as you've heard most of you about, and I reached out to him because I know that she is helping start Afghan uh, churches in the Bay Area. And I said, hey, can you tell me what's going on right now? And he's there like, right now, we are expecting thousands of people coming to the Bay Area and Sacramento and in Modesto. And then there's this one Afghan like, pastor and his wife. And if you heard their testimony, it's like ridiculous. And what happens is she starts sharing, they're driving everywhere trying to place, they're trying to figure out how to feed. Everyone's coming here and they have no other clothes. They only have what they have. And they're trying to just collect simply like Walmart cards and Target cards. But what they're trying to do is saying, in this single area, that is their cause. That is their ministry. But how does the church at large begin to come alongside and help them? Another really difficult stat was this. Every 40 seconds, a person will die by suicide in the world. Every 40 seconds. That means by the the end of this message, 112 people will have committed suicide, died by suicide. And that hits heavy. Because when you sat alongside of families who are grieving, it's painful. But I've also had an opportunity to sit alongside of a family who is grieving of a young child. But by the end of the night, we were singing praises to God. How does that happen? What do you say? And the reality is this, you don't need to say a thing. You let God do the work. You simply need to be there with your unveiled face and just say, I'm here to pray, my heart is broken, what do you need? And maybe it just starts by offering a a bottle of water. And then God, through his Holy Spirit, begins to do amazing work in there. And I've seen that over and over and over and over and over again. So one, we need to make our mission louder. Don't worry, the next two points go by really quick, church. The second thing we need to do is we need to come together in our brokenness. This has also been pretty loud in my own life. You see, what happens as the life group's pastor, again, I have the privilege, and don't worry if you've ever shared anything with me, I'm not sharing it from here this moment. I'll let you do that one day. But what I'm learning is this, is that there are people that are hurting here. And if you were really honest of where you're at in your walk, whether you've had family pass away, whether you're just dealing with a struggle, whether you're dealing with a disease, whatever it is that you're dealing with, maybe it's even just struggling being a Christian, that people need to hear it. They need to hear your brokenness. And what Life Groups offers, it offers something incredible. It offers a listening ear when you get plugged in and you get connected because what happens is this. When something happens in our lives, what I've typically seen is we go away from the church instead of to the church. 
And I believe that God is challenging us that we need to go to the church. And this is what Paul is saying now in the midst of this. And this is probably one of my favorite parts as he's talking about it. And he calls, he references all kind of the idea of jars of clay. And in verse four, we're gonna read verses one through six. It says this, therefore, since God's mercy, we have this ministry. I'm sorry, in verse seven, that's where we're moving on to. Verse seven, but we have this treasure what we just heard about, all of what God's doing, the gospel in there. He goes, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And this is how God shows his Christians how to understand what you're dealing with when you are broken, when you are hurting, when you're dealing with pain. He tells them this. We are hard pressed on every side. Can you just feel something right now? If you are in your life and you feel like there's just so much pressure in your life, and he says this, we are hard pressed on every side. You see, he didn't keep you from being pressed hard on every side, but when you are, but not crushed. You're pressed, but you're not crushed. He goes on and gives it another way. When you're perplexed or you're confused, but not in despair. You see, there's so much confusion going on this word, in this world, but not in despair means that you can still have hope and that God is in control. He goes on and says, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We have always carry around, and here's the key part, this is the part of when we follow God, this is what he's challenging his church to do. He's saying that we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What does that mean? You see, Jesus did not avoid death. He was willing to take the pains, the whipping, and be able to put on the cross, and he's saying, I did it. And he's saying, so can you. He's not trying to keep you from being avoiding it. He's trying to show you how to go through it. And in the midst of that, he continues to go on, and he says, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is also at work in you. Do you hear what Paul is saying to the church at Southwinds this morning. He's trying to remind you that no matter what you're facing, that when you make choices, that you're sometimes having to say, you are having to die to yourself, but then Jesus begins to ooze out of you and you begin to reflect choices in your life. And God uses those moments then to go alongside and be witnesses in Tracy, in Mountain House, in Manteca, and beyond. The last point that we're gonna talk about today, and this is probably one of the coolest parts as well. So one, again, we need to make sure that we remember that we need to be able to come to God and we need to be, our, our mission needs to be louder than all the headlines. We need to remember that we need to come to him in our brokenness. And the last part is this. Man, this is so good, church. I wanna remind you this. If one event can create a global conversation which conversation in your life right now needs to be the loudest? 
You see, when I've been kind of trying to go and ask God, God, what are you doing right now with all of these headlines? And if we can all come to an agreement, would you say that here in the city of Tracy, that majority of people have heard the word COVID before? Can we all come to an agreement there? Would you say that outside of the city of Tracy, if we just kind of broaden it and say all of California, would you say all of California has probably heard the word COVID? Yeah? Would you say that if we kind of expanded it out and just said all of North America, would you say that people would probably have heard the word COVID? Let's expand it further. South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, Russia, even in the North Pole, South Pole, astronauts in space. Could we all kind of come to an agreement that they've heard the word COVID before? Picture this, church. If they can have one conversation about COVID, you may not agree on, there may not be the agreements on everything, but we've heard the word COVID. Can they have the same global conversation about Jesus? God has shown his people that it's capable when lives begin to change. God has shown his people that right now, a pandemic dealing with a virus, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, that it impacted people, and people are talking to other people about it. How many people have had at least one conversation with somebody else about COVID over the last year and a half? Raise your hand, I'm just gonna even ask you, raise your hand, all right? The rest of you are not honest. You're like, I keep to myself, I don't talk to anybody about COVID. Gosh, what is COVID? But the reality is this, the same life-changing message of a God that came to this earth to die for us and loves us exactly where we're at and accepts all of our pains and says, not only can you accept this love, but I'm gonna make you shine bright without a veil because you are reflecting of who I am. That same message can be heard across the world right now. And in a year and a half, the entire world has one conversation. What can be done when God's word changes it? That's why we're sitting in a church because it has 2000 years ago. Why can't it happen today? It's because it requires all of you in this room to get connected to get plugged in, to grow, to help with your brokenness, to make your mission louder, and to make sure that your event that we're talking about is telling that maybe you have COVID, but man, there's this amazing God that's gonna walk in this journey with you. And I have seen people healed from it, but I've also seen people die from it. And I wanna share you this because I didn't share it the last time I talked. And this may be really hard to accept because this is the area that God has been working in my life. That when I shared that my dad died a few months ago and he gave his life to Christ within weeks of his passing, that the whole reason was because he got COVID six months prior. Now I sit here as a Christ follower and I'm going, okay God, if I follow a line could I also say that this horrible virus led to my dad coming to know Jesus? 
that he could be praised that when my dad, when I'm reading his word and he's saying, Chris, God's word is bringing me peace right now. A week before he died. I'm not angry at COVID, but God used COVID in a moment sensitive to my life to give God praise. So I'm saying that tragedy is not a tragedy when we work on an eternal basis. And that is this last part of this passage before we leave here today. And I hope you guys have a good lunch after this because we're almost there. (laughs) Verse 16 through 18, and we're done. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, We are being renewed day by day. You see, church, you have to understand that outwardly, these shells are getting older. Yesterday, I attempted, I did actually, played five softball games yesterday. Yeah, it's like, that's not an applause, that's like, I am sore, I am hurting. But I realized how much my body is wasting away. But the reality is no matter what we are facing, God is saying he's renewing us as we go to his instrument in the midst of this spatial disorientation. He's saying, I am here. And every day he's renewing us day by day. Should we choose Christians to go to God first? And he closes up with this. For our light, meaning what we are shining, And our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That is what an eternal God does. He reminds us that these are momentary troubles, momentary in respect to eternity. And then he closes off with this, and this is the message we need to get out there. This is the message we need to be reminded with first, is that so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our instrument tells us that. Our instrument assures us that whatever you're facing with are momentary in respect to eternity. From the loss of my father to the loss of my child, that God brings these moments and saying this is momentary and I'm with you. If that message can help someone every 40 seconds It's only gonna be done if all of us get out there and share it. Can you feel the weight that God put on us today? But also the freedom that he's going to use you in incredible ways. Are you ready, church?